Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 this morning. If you'd like to find that in your Bibles, and if you're using a pew Bible, it's on page 1832, uh, 1832 Colossians 1:15. Um, we're doing a series, the meaning of Christmas in a single verse. And it's a verse that many of you know, and if you would, join me in reciting it. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. It's John 3:16, And I believe that that single verse kind of encapsulates the whole meaning of the Christmas season. Last week we took that first phrase, for God so loved the world, and said that love was the perfect motivation for Christmas. You know, why would God do it? Why would He send His Son into the world, uh, where as the reading I did a few moments ago talked about how He would be rejected? He would be mistreated, and He would ultimately be crucified. Why would he send his son into a world like that? And the only reason we could come up with that made sense was that he loves us. He loves us so much that he considered no sacrifice too great in order to save us. So love is the perfect motivation. Now this morning, I want to take that second phrase of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. And it's very important that we focus on that, that part of the phrase, one and only. That means unique. That means one of a kind. That means incomparable. There has never been and will never be someone like Jesus. I like to watch the uh, show Pawn Stars. Anybody watch Pawn Stars? <laughs> I do. I'm, I'm confession, true confessions here. I like that show because I like history. And I love the way whenever they get an item in, they go through the history of it. And these guys know a lot about a lot of things. And they, they know what things are worth so they don't overpay for items. But every now and then, something is brought into their shop that stumps them. They, they admit to the person, I've never seen this before. I've never seen anything like this before. We've never had one of these before, and I have no idea what it's worth. And so then they'll call in an expert. And that expert will give them the background and the history of the item, and will give them kind of a ballpark figure of what, what the item is worth. So that's what I want us to do this morning. Um, since Jesus is a one and only, and the world has never seen anyone like him before, how do we know his worth? So we need to call in an expert. And that expert is the Apostle Paul. Paul was an expert in Jesus because he encountered him personally. On the road to Damascus, Jesus appeared to them. He spoke to him. And Paul says in his letter to the Corinthians that at one time he was caught up to the third heaven. 
which as we talked about a few weeks ago, means heaven, heaven, God's heaven. So Paul was literally transported in a vision to heaven. And Jesus would have been there. So he is in a position to know the worth of Jesus Christ. And in this passage in Colossians 1, 15 to 20, he tells us uh, many things that make Jesus worthy and valuable. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. There are at least six things there that Paul lists that tells us the incomparable worth of Jesus. And in case you missed them, I want to go back and, and highlight some of them. Paul said that he made the invisible God visible. All throughout the Old Testament, people longed to see God. Many of God's great prophets wanted to look upon God, and they couldn't. Moses, one time on Mount Sinai, even asked God, he said, Lord, show me your face. Show me the fullness of your glory. And God said, I can't, Moses. You can't take it. <laughs> If I showed you my glory, you would explode. You would just die right here on this mountain. God remained invisible to his people. But all of that changed the moment a first cry was heard in a manger in Bethlehem. Are you familiar with the song, Mary, Did You Know? Uh, they sang that in the 930 service, beautiful song. But in that song, there's a line that says, when you look upon your baby, you see the face of God. And that's exactly what Jesus came to do, to reveal God to us in a way that had never been revealed before. Furthermore, Paul said, the fullness of God dwells within him. That means Jesus is the real deal. There had been counterfeit Christ. There had been false messiahs. There had been many who had come claiming, hey, it's me. All those prophecies, hey, it's me. Follow me. They all came to nothing. But Jesus was different because he didn't come from God. He came as God. The fullness of God in him. Paul said that he was part of all of God's creative work. Everything that was created, Jesus was a part of it. I've often thought about this whole creation thing and how that worked with God, you know, God the Father, Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit. How did that work? And here's how I figured it out. God is the architect. 
God is the one who wrote the blueprints of creation. Then he gave it to Jesus, who was going to be the foreman. <laughs> and he said, Jesus, I want you to create all this for me. And then Jesus called the Holy Spirit and said, let's get to work. <laughs> and the Spirit of God did the creative work upon this earth. So Jesus was a part of everything that was created, which means everything that was created is under him. That's why Paul says he's the head of all things. He has ultimate authority in the world. Furthermore, he's the one who holds all things together. You know what that means? It means Jesus is the gorilla glue of the universe. <laughs> Have you discovered gorilla glue? Man, this is great. I've had super glue before, but gorilla glue is like the super, super glue. And Lord help you if you get it on your finger and stick them together. I mean, you're just going to walk around, look like you're a thank you, thank you. I mean, you're just not going to be able to get that off for some time now. That's the only way I could do the, the Spock thing. You know, I, 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 maybe I should take super glue and glue those fingers together and I could make that work. You never know what you're going to get here, do you? It's like, a box, it's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Um, Jesus was the firstborn from the dead. Now, I thought about that and said, well, he was not the first one to raise from the dead. Uh, the prophet Elijah raised a boy in the Old Testament. Jesus raised a widow's son. Jesus raised Lazarus. So how is he the firstborn of the dead? And I realized the difference. All of those others had to die again. They died, came back to life, only to die again. Jesus rose from the dead never to die again and to put eternity within our grasp. So that makes him the firstborn of the dead. He is supreme over all, or as Paul said, he has the supremacy, which means he's in control. I want to be in control. I want to be able to control my world <laughs> and make everything fall together and, and fall into place and be the way I want it to be. But most of the time, that control is only in my mind. <laughs> Things often go out of control. And sometimes I feel like everything's beginning to control me rather than me control it. And in those moments, I need to remember there is one who is in control, and that's Jesus. He is supreme over all. He is sovereign Lord over all. And when I'm out of control, I can place my life in His hands and let Him take control of it. And finally, He said He made peace between sinful man and holy God. Something that had never been accomplished before. He was able to remove the barrier that kept us from a relationship with God, and that is our sin, by taking our sin upon himself on the cross. But we'll get to that next week. So Jesus is the one and only Son of God. He's the incomparable Christ, and he's the perfect gift that God could give us. Now, what makes a gift perfect? Uh, if you're like me, when you get your list at the beginning of the Christmas shopping season, you have your list of people you want to get gifts for. And I want to get the perfect gift. Not just whatever I can grab off the shelf and wrap up and give them. 
I want to give them the perfect gift. Now, what makes the gift perfect? Well, it has to meet one of two criteria. <laughs> the perfect gift is one that is exactly what the person wants or exactly what the person needs. My grandchildren have reached a point where they're much more specific about their wants and what they perceive to be their needs. Um, you know, I remember when Bree was just little, you know, little, little. You'd ask her, what do you want? I want a baby doll. Oh, great. Baby dolls are easy. So you go to the store and there's a whole shelf of them. And you just pick one. Because any baby doll will do. That's not true anymore. Now she doesn't ask for a baby doll. She asks for this frozen doll. Or this Barbie. Or this particular uh, Shopkin. Uh, have you ever bought Shopkins? I lose them. I, I can't keep up with these little tiny figures on there. And then my great niece, I asked my sister what my great niece wanted for Christmas, and she sent me a text that she wanted a num nom. Do you, do you have any idea what a num nom is? N U M N O M. Num nom. I texted her back, what the heck is a num nom? I don't, I don't know what that is. <laughs> and she sent me a picture of this kind of weird looking little thing and okay <laughs> so I found a num nom <laughs> but it's exactly what they wanted and I tried to find that because that's a perfect gift well everybody wants what Jesus has to give they may not know it but they do who doesn't want to be loved who doesn't want forgiveness and a second chance and grace and peace and hope and love and, and just keep going? Who doesn't want those things? But there's only one way to get those things. This world cannot provide them. It only provides cheap imitations. Those things can only come through Jesus. And he gives us what we want by providing what we need, which is a savior. We all need saving, whether we realize it or not. You know, if the greatest need of this world had been for more knowledge, Jesus would have sent us, an, or God would have sent us an educator. If the greatest need had been for more money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been for a Super Bowl trophy, God would have sent us a better football team. <laughs> I'm just saying. But our greatest need is for salvation. For someone to come along who said, I can take care of this sin problem. I can give you relief from sin by releasing you from its guilt and shame and the punishment of it. That makes Jesus the perfect gift. You know, last week we learned that God's motivation for doing all this was His love for us. And because He loves us so much, He decided to take care of this personally. God didn't send another prophet 
to free us from our sin because he couldn't. God didn't even send the archangel Michael down from heaven and say, go save my people. He said, you know what? I love them so much and I want them to know me so much, I'm going down there. I'm going to do something that would have been utterly unthinkable. I'm going to divest myself of this, the glory, the majesty of heaven, and I'm going to enter into their world as a baby. And I'm going to live their life. And then I'm going to die for their sin. Jesus is the perfect gift. The prophet Isaiah said that a virgin shall be with child and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Don't ever lose sight of that little short statement. Emmanuel, God with us. In the Old Testament, God was out there. He was beyond, he was transcendent, he was unknowable, unreachable, and unrelatable. The God out there. But all of that changed that first Christmas morning when the God out there became the God right here. And he said, from this moment on, I will no longer be beyond your reach. I will be as close as a baby lying in a manger being cradled in his mother's arms. Christmas is about understanding that God had the perfect motivation, his love for us, and so he gave us the perfect gift, his one and only son. Next week, I want to talk about the perfect response that we should make to that gift. Let us pray. Lord, we are so thankful that you love us, that you care for us, and that when the time was right, you came to save us. You didn't wait for us to pull ourselves up to you because you knew we would never make it. You came to us and you gave yourself for us as God's perfect gift. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.